Nia, I was watching this documentary on LeBron James. Have you seen it more than just a game? It shows LeBron as a youth. Did you know that he met and trained with MJ, the GOAT? You mean the greatest of all time? I can't, I can't quite remember, but it was at the age of 16 or 17. It, it also shows how he's been constantly compared to MJ to see how his stats measure up. You know he decided to wear 23 because of Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan wore 23? That's why the number 23 are on those sneakers? But LeBron has a crown on his logo, and he calls himself King James. Hmm, I wonder what version of the Bible he likes to read from. <laughs> well, have you seen his new commercial of LeBron when he was about my age, going to get a chosen one tattoo? Not that we condone or promote tattoos. He believed at a young age he was predestined to be the next one and the chosen one and number one on basketball Mount Rushmore. And although he failed more times than he has succeeded, at reaching the pinnacle of the season. The championship? Yes, he's also drawn strength from his success and the steadfast determination from his failures. Also, his greatest desire as he matures is to have a significant impact on the floor, leading his teammates and off the floor, not only his community, but generationally. You need prayer. We all do. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, please be with us today as we speak on your behalf. Please remove ourselves and allow your spirit to speak to and through us today. Please remove our nerves so that we can convey your word. Amen. Please pour out your spirit today and allow your people to see that it is more than just a game. Help young and old to be influenced daily by the birth, life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to have a lifelong career and desire to be compared to him. And when all is said and done, that we can look forward to the only crown that will matter. And the words from the true greatest of all time, King of kings and Lord of all lords. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. LeBron believed he was predestined to be the one, the next goat. Yeah. Although predestination must be one of the most misunderstood concepts in the Bible, for most Christians, the idea of God choosing us before the foundation of the world is pretty confusing. We don't quite understand how it all works, but that's not how the Apostle Paul presented the idea at all. When he wrote to the believers in Ephesus, he began by reminding them that their predestination, because he knew that truth would transform their lives. Paul told the Ephesians that they were chosen, and God tells you that you're chosen to give you these three things. Number one, strength after failure. Every God-seeking Christian I know sometimes struggles with assurance of salvation. You look at your heart and think, can I really be a Christian and still struggle with these things? I've done it too. But if God didn't choose us because of our goodness, he's not counting on our goodness to keep us saved. We aren't chosen because we're good. We're chosen because he is. That's, that's good news for stumblers and struggles and downright sinners like you and me. Knowing that God has chosen us gives us the power to get back up again after we failed. If I know that God finishes what he starts, I can be sure that even though today was consumed by defeat, God's decree for my tomorrow is victory. If we know that salvation began in the purpose of God, then we can be sure it will be completed in the purpose of God. What God starts... He always finishes. It's comforting, it's comforting to know that there's a lot more at stake in your salvation than just you. I remember a time when I was at basketball camp. 
And I struggled to make a single shot. Airball. And I was frustrated, but that frustration turned into confidence to help me practice. And after that week, I made almost every shot that I took. But observation victory isn't a matter of perfect health or a full bank account. It's a matter of holiness. God didn't choose us for us, choose us for a life of ease or comfort or wealth. But that we should be holy and blameless before him. Ephesians 1.4. Most days that feel like a long way off. But in Christ, I can be sure that it will happen. How can I manage... Oh. My future holiness is as sure as Jesus Christ. The reason so many Christians feel defeated is that they look at all the problems in their lives and ask, How can I overcome this? How can I end my addiction to my cell phone, video games, and media? Mom, can I get my cell phone back? (laughs) How can I fix the procrastination and time management problems? How can I ever have the courage to share my faith? But the burden of fixing your life has never been on you. In Christ, God has already decreed and supplied the power for it. The good works God has for you, he already predestined for you. And he's provided the power for you to do them. So when you fail, and you most likely will, sometimes terribly, you can get right back up. Righteousness isn't shown by never failing, because all have fallen short before. But when we desire daily not to fall, righteousness is shown by getting back up each time, having faith to trust that God isn't done with you yet. Number two, hope in trials. Have you ever gone through a tough situation and felt utter hopelessness? I remember my first year doing flag football. I was in eighth grade. It was a rough season. Of course. We had had changed coaches three times. It was unorganized, barely won a single game. And the only games we really did win was the ones that we didn't have a team to play against, so we won by default. (laughs) The next year, we had a consistent coach, and we had ideas and plans. We were organized. From that, we had hope and confidence. And through that, we had a much better season than we had ever had before. Hope you know God's watching. The, whole, the Apostle Paul says that God has predestined all things according to the counsel of his will. All things. That's an expansive word. Even in those moments when you feel victimized or hurt or just plain unlucky, God is working for your good. When you believe this pain and suffering loses their power, The worst part of suffering isn't really the suffering itself. It's the feeling of hopelessness and meaningless. Most of us can endure some pain if we know there's a purpose behind it. It's when that pain feels pointless that we start to feel despair. It's when that, what God says to us is that nothing in the Christian life is wasted. No, suffering in your life is random, pointless, or outside of his control. Knowing this won't magically take away all of your hurt, but transform the way you experience it. When you see that God has literally harnessed every single molecule in the universe to make you a child, a daughter or son in his image, that makes you feel really important. Number three, confidence in disciple making. One of the biggest misconceptions about predestination is that it it removes any urgency for us to share the gospel. Well, God already 
God's already chosen who is saved, so it doesn't matter if I witness it or not. This is the exact opposite of what we see in the New Testament. For Paul, the fact that God has chosen some was precisely why he had the confidence to witness. In the book of Acts, God told him, go on preaching, because I have many people in this city in Acts 8-9. Paul was ready to give up. But knowing that God had already predestined some gave him the confidence to keep sharing. So, in school, everyone has that one big project that everyone forgets to do. Procrastinating? Yes, sir. (laughs) So, it was this huge project, and I have seven classes in all. So not only did I have that project, I had the other six classes of homework to do. So I was stressed out, I was upset, I didn't know what I was going to do. But there was one key part that was the reason why I pushed through all of this. It was my mom. She came in my room and told me, it's okay, I'll stay up with you, I'll help you, whatever you need. And after that, that's when the hope, I I gained confidence, and I was able to finish that project, and I got an A on it. I once heard about a missionary that said when he first went overseas, he didn't know how he could be a missionary if he believed that God had chosen people. Now, after years on the missionary on the mission field, he says he doesn't know how anyone could go on being a missionary unless he believed God has chosen them. God never tells us we're chosen so we can look out in the outside world and say, Well, too bad for you. You shouldn't sit around pondering why God saved you instead of your non-believing friends. You should realize that God saved you for the sake of your non-believing friends. He chose you because he wants to choose others. I choose you, Jesus said, to go and bear fruit. John 15, 16. I know that might make your head hurt a little bit. It does for me. But that's the paradox scripture gives us. We share Christ with people like it's all up to us. And we pray to God knowing that it's all up to him. God's words reveal the great truth to us in Ephesians 1. Please turn over to Ephesians 1 and look at verse 3. Christians, we have been chosen as children of God. Verse 5, tell us that we were predestined to be adopted into the family of God. And while it is true that all believers are born again in the spirit of God into his family, I am also glad that here he tells us we are adopted because it means we're chosen. The loving of an adopted child is it's more love than you could ever feel. It's a big and loving kind of love. My parents didn't choose me, and there were probably days when, given the choice, my mom would have said, no thanks. <laughs> I wasn't always this good. When were you ever? But there was a time when I had a rival. Mm, and not surprising. We, we played both very good basketball. And one day, we got into an argument, which led into a fight. I was sitting up in the office when my mom came to get me, and it was silence. When we got in the car, she didn't even want to look at me. And... She's not even looking at you now. But... (laughs) That... But when we got, we got some food and then we went home and we didn't talk for that rest of the day. But God has the kind of love that he could look at us warts and all and still say, I choose you. Believers, we were chosen to be children of God. 
He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. Can you see how special you are to God? But verse 7 reminds us that it's never, it never could happen without the cross of Jesus. Read it with me. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. Thank God for the cross. And in verse and in verse 6, the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 10 states that when the time is right, he will gather all things together in Christ, everything in heaven and on earth, with Christ as the head. Are you ready for the gathering time? If so, today we would like to give anyone who may not have had the opportunity or given the invitation to accept God's calling to be part of his adopted family the opportunity to make that decision for him. Who here would like to stop running away from God's predestined will for you and for your life? Who here desires to be a chosen one, chosen from the one? Please stand or come down to the front so that the elders can pray with you. Who here desires to be part of God's royal priesthood, to be crowned someday? Who here desires to be a holy nation, his own special people? Daily, prayerfully, comparing your character to his. And desires to mirror and reflect his character closer each day. Desiring and striving to be the absolute best at the thing that God put you on the planet to do. Let us go to God in prayer. Elder Sarah, can you come pray with us and have a prayer for the dedication of these individuals? bow your heads with me. Oh God in heaven, we are so grateful that you have chosen us. And it's not by any merit, anything that we have done, for sure. We're so grateful that you love us anyways, that you sent your only son to die on the cross so that we might spend eternity with you. God, we are so humbled by that. We don't even know how to respond sometimes. Sometimes I think that we are too ashamed by our sins to accept the gift that you freely offer. But, Father, you've seen the hands that were raised today, and, and we, we give ourselves to you, and we ask that you help us to come to you, that you remind us that we are chosen, remind us that we are your children. I thank you so much for uh, the gift of the youth today. They have given of themselves uh, and giving back to you, and God, they have blessed us today, and I ask that you continue to bless and guide them, that they may be witnesses for you wherever they go. May we as a church uh, nurture them and encourage them and mentor them as they continue in their ministry. I ask that you help us to live as ones who are chosen and who have accepted our chosenness. Help us to live like your children. May we be your hands and feet to the world. In your name, amen.